1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like a
2: might is touched by the very first time. I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind. Too much money for one person to Hello, and welcome to Too Much Money, the podcast that asks, does being a billionaire make you crazy, or do you need to be crazy to be a billionaire? I'm Dori Shafriar. And I'm Joe Piazza. And And guess what, Dori? Guess what? What?
1: What? I'm a billionaire now. Oh my gosh. Joe, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I'm lying. I just, I wanted Uh, to change up the intro. I just wanted to mix things up a little bit. I was so
2: excited. It would be so fun if we became like meta. And (laughs) you You know, like we now could just talk about all the things that you did with your money, yeah, yeah. it was if I were a billionaire, I would just I would give you half of it so that we oh, could both be that's billionaires. So, that's so nice of you. i I'll give you half of mine too,
1: thank you, because being a billion being a billionaire alone seems sad,
2: it does seem lonely, doesn't it?
1: It does seem lonely. It does seem lonely, so yeah, yeah I would share, I would want us to be billionaires
2: together or not at all, totally. Now, Joe, do you remember last episode, I think it was last episode, we were talking about like what would a group of billionaires be called?
1: Yes. Yes. And I called them a booty.
2: You called them a booty, which I liked. And a listener named Tabitha wrote in to say, um, well, she says she loves the podcast, which thank you, Tabitha. Thank you, Tabitha. And she says, how about a blight of billionaires? I'm here for that.
1: I like a blight. I actually like a blight—a blight of billionaires. I like that more than a booty. So funny.
2: That's
1: really good. A blight oh, of billionaires. Thank yes. you, Tabitha.
2: Um, I really, I really appreciated that. Um, so Joe, today we're talking about the end of the world.
1: Great. Great. You know, you know who probably caused it? A billionaire.
2: Well, you know, I think before we kind of like really get into it, I'm curious if you have any like, like, do you have any disaster preparedness tendencies? Do you have any prepper tendencies? I guess is what I'm asking. Okay, I do.
1: Wow, this. You know what? I I saw. I actually saw this maybe coming from Matt, but not from you.
2: Oh, no. Matt kind of makes fun of me for it.
1: Okay, I because I don't have any. Whereas okay. Nick Nick has lots and lots.
2: So oh, interesting.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like he has lots and lots to the extent that I think he does so many weird Google searches for prepper things. He's constantly being served Instagram ads for like end of the world solar oh, generators oh and things like that. Yes. And I think sometimes he plants. I think he plants like weird crops. Like, I, I think they're secret potato crops. Um, that he plants up in the Catskills sometimes, you know, for the starving period that will come after the end of the world.
2: Of course. He yeah. He wants his own food supply.
1: He wants his own. And it's going to be potatoes. It's going to be Look, a lot of a lot of potatoes. There's a
2: lot of things you can do with potatoes. They're very versatile.
1: For real. Vodka among them.
2: Totally. Yes. You'll mm-hmm. have your own vodka distillery. You
1: know, it's um, going to be nice. I was not.
2: I was not really, well, I'm not a prepper, but I, I didn't really think about disaster preparedness until I moved to California. Because oh, on the East Coast, like you kind of, for the most part, you like see the disasters coming. It's like, oh, there's a hurricane forming in the Atlantic. Like you have five days to get all your supplies, whereas in California, you have no, you have maybe like ten seconds warning of an earthquake.
1: Fair, fair. I thought about the end. I thought about the end days a lot more when I lived in San Francisco.
2: Right. Yes, and like wildfires, and Mm -hmm. not that I live in like a I live in like the middle of the city. Things would have to be very bad if there was a wildfire in my (laughs) in my neighborhood. Um, I don't live like on a mountain, like in a forest. Um, but anyway, that that moving here, I think, just sort of like activated something. Your prepperness, your prepper, my my Mm prepperness. Now, all that said, we do not have a bunker. We do not have five years worth of food supplies mm-hmm. stored there mm-hmm. um and you know i think the idea of a prepper has like entered the collective consciousness enough that people are like there's plenty of people who are not billionaires who are preppers like totally yes Look, i ton. mean they're,
1: they're all over in fact they're all I, over. I have just started researching uh an under the influence episode about prepper talk because prepper oh. prepper talk is a big thing on TikTok these oh, days. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes and it has, sense. It makes has it has a lot of crossover with trad wife, homesteading wife.
2: Yes. I could totally see that.
1: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. could totally mm-hmm. see that. So yeah, so, so you uh, don't you don't have to be uh, this is this is kind of like a math like axiom. You don't have to be a billionaire to be a prepper. And yet most billionaires are preppers.
2: Many, right. Many billionaires are preppers. Um, And as billionaires do, they take prepping prepping to an extreme that I think to most of us is kind of inconceivable. So we started thinking about this story because there was a recent article, an investigation in Wired magazine that did a super deep dive into the compound that Mark Zuckerberg is building in Hawaii on the island of Kauai. And it's been like public knowledge for a few years that Mark Zuckerberg has been buying a property in Kauai. He's building something there, but like no one really knew the extent I think of what he was building because he was very secretive about it. And everyone who worked on the compound had to like sign an NDA and it was just like very, very private, but they Mm -hmm. filed some like freedom of information act requests to get like the permits. And so they, they have a very comprehensive view of what is going on on this compound. We will link to the article in the show notes because it's it's really interesting. It's really well done. Um, uh, you know, it's worth it's worth it's worth kind of reading like the the primary source. But one, okay, well, first of all, they are estimating that the compound is costing two hundred seventy million dollars. So I mean, that's a drop that in sh- the bucket. For the Zuckerbergs, it is, it is. It is a drop in the d- bucket for the Zuckerbergs, but for the rest of us, it's 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 a nice chunk of change. But the thing that kind of like stuck out for me about this compound is that the compound includes a five thousand square foot bunker uh-huh. and uh-huh. Wired called the whole thing an opulent techno xanadu. Complete with underground shelter and what appears to be a blast-resistant door. Now, kind of wow. like how you we're saying, two hundred seventy million dollars is a drop in the bucket for Mark Zuckerberg. Five thousand square feet is like a shack. Probably, it's a shack. That's a shack. Zuckerberg.
1: Yeah, totally. To totally. me,
2: that is like three times the size of my house. So, like, I would be psyched with a five thousand square foot bunker. But he's probably looking at this five thousand square foot bunker, being like. Oh, God, hope we don't have to stay in there for too long.
1: This, this is not big enough. This is not, this is not, not, big not enough. a big enough bunker my no. mansion mansion for us.
2: Right, no. this is not, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So the bunker, of course, has its own energy and food supply. And um, the on the compound, there's like two main mansions. And Mm -hmm. they are joined by a tunnel that branches off into this bunker. Mm -hmm. So you will be able to access the bunker from either of the mansions. There's also an escape hatch from the bunker that you can get to um, with a ladder. Uh, Mm -hmm. So some of the other features of this bunker... Um, the door is constructed out of metal, filled in with concrete. Um, the compound itself has its own water tank.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: there's already a variety of food that there's, uh, the, the compound is 1,400 acres.
1: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're...
2: 1,400. They're 1400 acres. Yep. They're, they're planting their own, planting their own food. Um, Okay. Okay.
1: So, I mean, so So, fully, fully, this is a self-sufficient situation.
2: Theoretically, yes. Which Mm -hmm. we will get into. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I found the whole concept of, like, billionaires prepping for the end of the world to be really interesting because... (laughs) something that i think we're going to talk about on a future episode is billionaires' obsessions, the obsession with immortality and like living longer. And this feels like kind of an offshoot of that.
1: Yes, right? absolutely. Absolutely, because if you're li- because if you live forever, you have to plan for a lot of things changing and maybe bad things happening and probably the end of the world. So they just right. They want to be prepared. They want to be prepared. They want to
2: be prepared, and they want to insulate themselves from the chaos that they are envisioning the rest of the world descending into. Yes. So they will be able to insulate and isolate themselves. Um, but there, there are a few problems with this vision. Um. Which we That's, will get into. Wait, really? No.
1: Yes, no. I know.
2: It's weird. It's very weird. But first, I just want to talk about a few of the other, um, a uh, few of the other options mm-hmm. for the very rich to create their own bunkers. Also, just as an aside, Sam Bankman Fried.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, he, let's 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 remind the audience who Sam Bankman Fried is because there's a lot of billionaire Sams.
2: There are a lot of billionaire Sams. So he founded FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange that went down in a blaze of inglory, I would say um, in glory when mm-hmm. in glory. But he had planned before he uh, was found guilty of many things, <laughs> many, um, many he had, things. He had planned to buy an island in the Pacific called Nauru. Oh, Nauru. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, Nick is obsessed with Nauru.
1: Nick's, oh, Nick's really? big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick's billionaire obsession, if he had unlimited money, yes, would be one of them to visit all of these obscure islands. He looks at them on Google Maps mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Now Nauru is the one that is fully that is covered with a lot of bird guano, bird poop, right? I think that Oh, interesting. Yeah, 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 I
2: yeah. I think there's I there's issues Nauru with Nauru. Is it's the world's smallest island state? Mhm. There's fewer than 11,000 people. On it. It's like in, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's 1,800 miles northeast of Australia. So, I mean, it is far from everything. It's, yeah, it's not,
1: not close, not close to other, other people. Mm -mm, mm -mm, So,
2: in the court filings in his money laundering case, there's documentation of how he was planning on purchasing the entire island. And that if, you know, if the apocalypse happened, he mm-hmm. and his colleagues in the effective altruism movement
1: yes. would move yes. into a
2: bunker there. And, you know, that's where they would kind of like wait out the apocalypse. Um, according to this memo, the strategy was, to, and I'm quoting now, to purchase the sovereign nation of Nauru in order to construct a bunker slash shelter that would be used for some event where 50 to 99.99% of people die to ensure that most effective altruists survive. The memo also mentioned plans to develop sensible regulation around human genetic enhancement and build a lab there, noting that perhaps, quote, there are other things it's useful to do with a sovereign country too. Oh,
1: oh, that's nice. You know, These billionaires, these effective altruists, are they just completely disregarding the 11,000 citizens who live on this island? And and just to do a fact check, yes, I was right about Nauru. It was once covered with so much bird poop that then turned into phosphate. And so it became a, a really good place for colonialists to mine for phosphate. And they essentially destroyed a large part of the island. Again, not considering the lives of the many people who inhabited this island.
2: Right. Of course.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Oh,
2: my gosh. So Sam bingham
1: um, wanted to buy Bird so, Poop Island. So Sam for, wanted to
2: buy Bird Poop Island. It's unclear, like, how far along he was in this plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it was, it was at least discussed. Um, the other place that very wealthy people, especially from Silicon Valley, are obsessed with to like ride out the apocalypse is New Zealand.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Rich people love the idea of riding out the apocalypse in New Zealand.
2: Yes. So Peter Thiel is one of the big New Zealand evangelists. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and you'll remember our episode from last week, Peter Thiel was one of the billionaires who also wants to bring back the woolly mammoth.
2: Yes, totally. Maybe in New Zealand.
1: Perhaps in New Zealand, my friends.
2: Um. So, apparently the the obsession with New Zealand... It kind of stems from, there was a libertarian manifesto called The Sovereign Individual, How to Survive and Thrive During the Collapse of the Welfare State that was published in 1997. And Mm -hmm. Thiel has cited it repeatedly as the book he is most influenced by. Peter Thiel is also obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Again, billionaires.
1: Billionaires be obsessed with the same things as 10-year-old boys.
2: Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. so all all of these things kind of contributed for Teal to be interested in New Zealand. And then also New Zealand is appealing because it is a self-sufficient island state far away from the United States where they think that like a lot of this shit is going to hit, this shit is going to hit the fan. By the way, (laughs) SHTF is like a prepper acronym. For what? For when the shit hits the fan. Okay, okay. So you'll mm-hmm. see that, like, like, peppered throughout proper speak, proper speak. speak. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's take a break because yeah, this we, has we been have a lot, lot to talk about. I know, and 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 there's a lot more to discuss. Um, all right, we will, we'll be, we'll be right back. Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices During our break, I was thinking about how long I would survive during the end times. Mm. Like if this were a movie, a zombie movie or a virus movie. And I think sure. I'm gone. And I'm I'm that person that's gone on the newsreel on the first scene. It's just like havoc oh, totally. hits the United States and you see me die. Just they're like, totally. she don't, she is unprepared.
2: Well. One thing that very wealthy people have apparently been doing now for years is getting LASIK because they're worried about having access to their glasses after the apocalypse.
1: Wow. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yes. But LASIK also is not forever. And Nick got LASIK 20 years ago and now it's it's all, it's kind of gone to shit.
2: Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. There's also, speaking of like, speaking of TikTok, there's also like LASIK gone wrong talk. I don't know if you've ever stumbled on this weird subculture. No, no, I have not. You know, there is a very small percentage of people for whom LASIK not only doesn't work, but like fucks up their eyesight
0: Mm -hmm. and can
2: go blind. And so as you can imagine, these people are not thrilled with what happened to them after LASIK? And even though it is a small percentage, so many people have gotten LASIK at this point that, like,
1: right, there's, there's a thousands lot of people. A lot, a lot, lot of people. This
2: has happened on LASIK um, talk.
1: Bad LASIK on, talk. On
2: bad LASIK talk.
1: Oh. Anyway, Bob, I didn't know bad. any. I didn't know anything about this. Yeah,
2: it's it's a whole thing. There's apparently like very active Facebook groups about this. Okay. Um. Okay, so you know. We kind of touched on this in the beginning, but, uh-huh. like, I do think it's worth kind of, like, parsing out just, like, what is the billionaire's obsession with
0: uh-huh.
2: creating these environments where they and and their, you know, they and their friends will be able to, like, ride out the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Douglas Rushkoff wrote a book a couple years ago called, or no, I guess it came out, yeah, a couple years ago at this point, it's called Survival of the Richest. Oh, wow. And it all stemmed from being invited to talk to five billionaires. They, like, flew him out to a compound and basically just, like, asked him questions about the, like, the end of the world. And so, and then he wrote an article about this and then Mm -hmm. it turned into a book. So I'm just going to quote from his from the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is which is worth reading if you're interested in in this in this topic. This
1: sounds so good. I'm about to, I'm going to order it on Amazon like right now. It's
2: pretty fascinating and this is his kind of like initial stab at parsing out like why they are so obsessed with this. So this is what mm-hmm, he said. Mm-hmm. They were preparing for a digital future that had less to do with making the world a better place than it did with transcending the human condition altogether. Their extreme wealth and privilege served only to make them obsessed with insulating themselves from the very real and present danger of climate change, rising sea levels, mass migrations, global pandemics, nativist panic, and resource depletion. For Mm -hmm. them, the future of technology is about only one thing, escape from the rest of us. These people once showered the world with madly optimistic business plans for how technology might benefit human society. Now they've reduced technological progress to a video game that one of them wins by finding the escape hatch. Will it be Bezos migrating to space, Teal to his New Zealand compound, or Zuckerberg to his virtual metaverse? This was before, obviously before. The, before the Hawaiian about, compound. The Hawaiian compound, yeah, of course, of course. And these catastrophizing billionaires are the presumptive winners of the digital economy, the supposed champions of the survival of the fittest business landscape that's fueling most of the speculation to begin with.
1: Yeah, they're cause they're going to cause the apocalypse and then they're going to escape oh, it. it pisses me off so much.
2: Right. So it's like, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried talking about effective altruism, which supposedly is supposed to be making the world a better place. I mean, not only was he fucking up his business and making people lose money, like thousands, thousands if not millions of dollars, but also millions like, of dollars. Yeah. He's not he his plan is to just like have him and like, what, 20 of his closest friends surviving
1: on Birdshit Island
2: on Birdshit Island. Um, now, one thing that that Rushkoff gets into in his book that I think is such a like salient point is he says to the billionaires like he's like, well, what about like the people who you're like? What about your employees?
1: Mm-hmm, like, because mm-hmm, they're talking, mm-hmm. they're
2: like, oh, we have Navy SEALs who are going to be, like, protecting our, our compound, and we have these people and that. And he's like, how are they going to stay loyal to you? Mm-hmm, like, how are you going to mm-hmm. ensure that in the apocalypse they're not going to just, like, turn on you? They don't.
1: T- I would turn on them.
2: And the billionaires, like, kind of don't have, like, it's like, it- this has never occurred to them.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. Because physically, a lot of these billionaires are actually quite weak.
2: <laughs> totally. Um... So a few years before this, Evan Osnos, who's a writer for The New Yorker, wrote. Yeah, like Evan Osnos, a lot. Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. Um, he wrote a big article about specifically about Silicon Valley tech multimillionaires slash billionaires' obsession Mm -hmm. with insulating themselves from the apocalypse. And what was this? He he did the reporting and the research for the article during twenty. Seems like during twenty sixteen, um, during like the presidential campaign and it's it's just very interesting to like it it seems like so long ago like read that moment in time and and kind of read about the anxieties that were springing up around that time that are now kind of the same but also very different like obviously pre-pandemic pre-trump administration like it's very interesting anyway 2016 2016 seems quaint in a lot of ways right it seems so quaint so he points out that, kind of, this obsession with the apocalypse or the end times has historically has generally flourished. He says at moments of political insecurity and rapid technological change. Yeah, so right now. So right, so right now feels like, uh, I mean, that kind of like defines our
0: mm-hmm. our mm-hmm.
2: time. Um, he spoke to a historian at Stanford who said in the late nineteenth century. There were a lot of utopian novels, but they were all kind of coupled with a dystopian novel. So this has always been like a hallmark Mm. of our culture. This like desire for utopia combined with anxiety about dystopia. Was at
1: the end of the 19th century, was that because of the industrial revolution?
2: I think so. Um, And also, you know, Right. The industrial revolution. And then also, you know, this was the age when like the Andrew Carnegie's, the John Rockefellers of mm-hmm. the world were mm-hmm. consolidating wealth. These were the robber barons. The robber so barons. You start yeah. to have the same social and economic inequality that you have today, where like the top one percent of people who have made money off of exploiting the rest of us.
1: And the and the planet. And the planet. And the planet. Yeah.
2: Right. Like they're coal mining, you know, they're making their mm-hmm. money from oil, from coal. Like so you know, I think those are all. These are all things that have that have been kind of that, that have been set in motion uh, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I think it's, you're it's, right.
1: It's interesting. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I just discovered that there is a season two of the Gilded Age, the TV show.
2: Oh,
1: I didn't uh-huh. know. I, I didn't know. So, yeah.
2: is do you like that show?
1: I do. I do. Okay, and it's just you know when I like it t- like the TV show that I like watching right now is something I can watch while I'm doing something else. Uh So if I'm doing busy work, mixing a podcast or sending out holiday cards, I don't want to pay attention too much. And The Gilded Uh Age, which I started watching on a plane while like holding a freaking baby, is Uh the perfect thing for that. It was the same when I, I started watching The New Fatal Attraction. Okay. Like these are this is the level of TV show that I'm watching right now.
2: Have you watched Ghosts? No. Okay, I've that, never even heard is, of Ghosts. That is I also started watching it on a plane. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It is the perfect kind of like entertaining background show. It's a perfect oh. sitcom. It's a mm-hmm. it's a remake of a British sitcom also called Ghosts about a couple that um inherits a large like a mansion and up upst- the American version they inherit a mansion in like upstate New York and so they leave their like bougie Brooklyn life behind mm-hmm. and decide to open a and b but what they don't know is that the mansion is haunted and there's all these ghosts that have been living mm-hmm. there for you know centuries mm-hmm. Um, and they're mad that it's going to be a and b and then the f- the and this happens in like halfway through the first episode. I'm yeah, not like yeah. spoiling anything. Um, the the woman in the couple has like a near death experience, and from then on, she can see and talk to the ghosts. Okay, okay. And so, cool. It's, like, it's very. It, it's just like it, the jokes are kind of dumb. Hmm. But it's like very entertaining. Um. Did you ever watch the other two? Oh, end. I love the yeah, I
1: love the other two. Yeah.
2: So yeah. you know the guy. Oh my God, what is his name? Brandon Scott Jones, who plays um like the best friend of what's his name? The 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 main character, the male main character. Oh yeah, yeah. hmm mm-hmm. So he's he's in it as like a colonial soldier who was in love with who's secretly in love with a Male British soldier, but he's been like closeted oh. for three hundred years. Like it's just oh my God, just, like, shut it's up! It's very funny. Um. Anyway, it just made me think of that. Especially okay, when said you started watching on a plane.
1: Okay, I'm here for that. I'm here okay. for that. So great. okay, great, great. Okay, um, God, guys, we're just we're here to bring you lots, lots of different well, things. Okay, we
2: contain multitudes. Okay, we do. Oh. Um. So. You know that is that's kind of like the the philosophical and psychological mm-hmm. thinking behind um some of this and in osmos's piece, he talks to a bunch of very wealthy Silicon Valley people, and Reed Hoffman, who founded LinkedIn, estimates that more than fifty percent of his fellow Silicon Valley billionaires um have bought some sort of like hideaway. He says a hideaway in the US or abroad as apocalypse insurance. Uh-huh. And this was in 2017. So like I feel like this is pro there's probably more. And even then, I mean, you know, so- talking about this inequality. Hoffman talks about the anxieties that these billionaires feel that the rest of the country is going to turn against them and is, is that mm-hmm. going to be a civil disorder. And like I feel like we've seen some of that happening like
1: because they think they're Marie Antoinette.
2: I mean, yeah, like they they're
1: aware that they're shitty people. <laughs> they're aware. That's the thing. Like that's what I want to get across. That's what I want to get across in this episode that these um these billionaires are at least self-aware enough to know they're shitty people, and that the majority, like the rest of us all hate them, and that mm-hmm. eventually we will come for them. And that's yeah. why they want to hide. It's not necessarily the yeah. new virus or the contagion. It's because they're like, yeah, we're doing shitty things and making our money in in shitty ways. And yeah, people probably will come after us and try to yeah, put our heads exactly. on the stake.
2: Right, yeah. like they will come after us with the pitchforks.
1: They so will. We're going to need yeah. to
2: like build a compound in New Zealand to yeah. avoid that.
1: Well, say, um, one of the things, one of the things that is interesting to me, Dory, mm-hmm. and I'm sure millionaires are like real smart and stuff, but all of their compounds are on island nations, and the yes. rise of sea levels is a real threat. Yes, and a the rise and the rise of um, a lot of very inclement, dangerous weather which does yeah. impact these island nations particularly Hawaii uh totally. more frequently. So I don't Hawaii, when I heard that Zuckerberg was doing this bunker thing in Hawaii yes. I was like yeah yes. maybe not the best
2: place Zuck Very interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um they they apparently do have some anxiety about uh, New Zealand in particular. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I mean, you know that we go up to the Catskills a lot. Yes. We don't have a compound or a bunker. Sure. sure. But, but when we were uh, looking for our, like, ramshackle little cabin up there, this is how much of a prepper my husband is. We bought it on a dead-end road. <laughs> it's a dead end road in this valley oh, wow. that Nick actually says sometimes, like usually after two strong IPAs from the brewery up there. He's uh-huh. like, you know, if we had to, we could barricade it. And I'm like, wow. "In, end, I'm like in end oh. times. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, with what? <laughs> he's like timber. Oh. Okay, okay. 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 You and Steven, our friend down the road can, can, can do that. Um, but the catskill, I will say, like I just started to think, I'm like, maybe my husband is smarter than Mark Zuckerberg, because the Catskills feel safer to me than Hawaii.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm with you. right?: I'm with you On that Yeah. yeah we
1: don't have a whole lot of weird climate disturbances totally.
2: up there. I just totally.
1: Yeah, Hawaii doesn't feel very safe, for, and that's cool because that maybe that'll take out Zuck. <laughs> I've gotten really dark lately. Oh I've gotten God. darker. Darker, um, because doing doing this podcast actually makes me dislike billionaires more.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, well, what is there to like? Honestly? What is there to like? Free shipping,
1: free shipping. It's. I was talking totally. to a friend.
2: All is forgiven because of two day free shipping.
1: Exactly. Well, I was talking to a friend the other day who runs a little mom and pop uh, specialty food shop, the specialty food store down in the Italian market here in Philly and we were talking about shipping and she's like you know what's terrible for small businesses can amazon and yes. them making everyone believe that shipping is free because it yes. is the bulk of their costs yes. on on e-commerce but everyone just assumes it is a public good at this point so yet another but thing that's
2: expensive
1: shipping is so cuz i send out books all the time too to people right. i do yes. so many book giveaways
2: yes
1: Thank God they're for media mail because I books are are a little bit discounted,
2: but totally. it, still, it still adds up. It's still very expensive. Also, like media mail, you have to go to the post office and actually buy the postage in person. You I can't do it online, which is annoying. I hate the post office. I was, I was mailing a book to my mom because I, I use Pirate Ship for it because I sell, I, you know, I like to oh. send secondhand clothes. Like I sell secondhand clothes and yeah, yeah. I use Pirate Ship a lot. Yeah, what what is Pirate Ship? Oh my God, Joe. Well, you can't use it for media mail. So but it is discounted. It is discounted shipping. And it is like truly discounted. Like it you can get UPS and USPS, and like it is much cheaper than if you're like mailing a package. I I recommend.
1: I've never heard about this.
2: Oh my god. It's so great. Like it doesn't matter if you're mailing like a letter, but if you're mailing a package, you gotta use Pirate Ship. This is not an ad. But Pirate Ship, if you want to sponsor us, get in touch. Well, you too know, much money well, let's, podcast at Gmail.
1: <laughs> too much money podcast at gmail.com. We should I'll, you know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go rogue and I'll send this episode to Pirate Ship and be like, Hey, we just organically love you. So if you wanna come on we board, do. here's oh our God. deck.
2: I do organically love Pirate Ship. Um but anyway, I was mailing a book to my mom and I was like, I'll just go on Pirate Ship. And then I was like, Oh, you can't buy media mail on Ah anyway. Joe, let's take another break because when we come back, I want to tangents today. I want to tell you a little bit more about what these bunkers for the very rich like actually look like and entail. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, we'll be right back. Tired of ads, barging into your favorite news podcasts? Okay, we are back. When I was when I was doing the research into these bunkers, I was kind of reminded of when we were talking about Jeff Bezos' yacht and like all the things that he has on the yacht. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, the yacht we we said this feels also like an end times plan, right? Because if if ocean levels are rising as they are, probably because of all this free shipping flying around the world in Amazon planes,
2: uh, then a yacht will just rise with the tides. Joe, it's it's funny you say that, um, because there was there has been a movement. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. There was a I think it's something about being seaworthy. But there there was a whole movement of people who were going to like ride out the apocalypse at sea.
1: Well it was a John Cusack movie.
2: What movie was that? 2012.
1: The one where the world ends in 2012, and all of the governments and billionaires have gotten together to build massive ships that will all ride out the apocalypse together. And John Cusack, Amanda Pete is his wife. John Cusack is a failed novelist, because failed novelist is a big job for dudes in like action movies from the 90s. There's always a failed novelist guy who sort of... (laughs) Who still lives in, like, a nice house, but sold three copies of his Uh, book.
2: Right, exactly. You're like, how does this work? How does this work? Well, they probably wrote some articles for Esquire for, like, $4 a word.
1: Yeah, back back in the 90s, you could be a failed novelist and still make money as a writer.
2: Exactly. Mm. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay, so we have, you know, we have Mark Zuckerberg's bunker. We have all the things in New Zealand. And as I'm sure you can imagine, there have now sprung up a bunch of companies that seem specifically to be targeting very wealthy people with anxieties about the apocalypse. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Um, So, but it's hard. Here was my like skepticism slash question about these is like, they don't like divulge sales figures, right? So. It's hard to tell if these are just like fantasy bunkers or if people are actually buying and building these. I'm not I'm not sure. The only place that seems like people have that I could find that seems like people have bought is a um a place called the Survival Condo Project, hmm. which is in Kansas and was developed by a guy who bought an underground silo um, that had been built by the Army Corps of Engineers to withstand a nuclear strike. And so he bought it in 2008 for $300,000. And then he spent $20 million constructing it and created 12 condos. Um (laughs) underground underground in this silo and he Mm -hmm. told evan osnos that he had sold every unit he had kept one for himself but he had sold every unit so you know i have no way of fact checking that but that is what right well we should go there darry do you want to take a road trip i mean we honestly should he said he's building another one and that he's working on private bunkers for clients in idaho and texas so this is what the survival condo project entails um food and fuel for five years off the grid. They're raising tilapia in fish tanks. They have hydroponic Mm -hmm. vegetables. Um, There are, he has SWAT team style trucks that will pick up any owner within 400 miles. And there is um, a place 30 miles away where a private plane could land. So the private apartments there's private apartments and then there's some shared amenities like in a regular condo building so you've got a oh, pool nice. yeah. a pool a rock climbing wall there's a pet park with astroturf <laughs> shut
1: shut your shut shut your goddamn mouth yeah the- <laughs> during the end times in the end times con- condo community don't worry you will have a place can- to walk your dog you'll have a place to let your dog pee mhm
2: exactly Jesus um, nice. there's a classroom, there's a gym, a movie theater, a library, there's an armory. Mm. Um, there's like a, there's basically like a jail cell. Oh, when people are bad. Yeah. 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 I exactly. mean, that makes sense.
1: If there's, if there's a, if there's a holding cell in the Eagle Stadium here in Philadelphia, which there is, then there should definitely be one there too.
2: Yes. There's a is there medical a, Is wing? there a fully stocked bar? It's funny you say that. So when Evan visited, he slept in a guest room appointed with a wet bar. Good, good. Um, Well, during during the
1: apocalypse, I want booze.
2: Totally. I'm not
1: going out gracefully. Yeah. Probably, like, especially if my kids are grown, capable humans at that point and I don't have to protect them from the zombies. Right. (laughs) It's like... I haven't had a cigarette in a long time. I might start smoking again and I mean, just big pills, man. Booze and yeah. pills. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'm that I'm not end timer.
2: A feature of a lot of these underground projects is that they paint scenery outs- outside of quote windows mm-hmm. so that like it feels like you're like looking out on Central Park or <laughs> a forest or whatever. Um Oh, So that's a survival condo project. I don't want to live there.
1: I don't want to live there.
2: I don't Uh -uh. either. There's also a company called Opidium Mm -hmm. that is based in the Czech Republic. Their most expensive um, bunker model is called the Heritage. And it starts at $60 million. (sighs) So as designed, it is 12,380 square feet. It has five bedrooms, seven bathrooms. There's handcrafted glass chandeliers. There's fine-grained solid wood flooring. There's fresh flowers in the garden. Mm. You can add a cinema, a swimming pool, an art gallery, a gym, a sauna. You can have staff quarters. Um, so that's, that's $60 million. There's also an American company called Rising S Bunkers. And mm-hmm. they do the whole range. So they, they start at $49,000 for an 8x12 mini bunker.
1: How many? An 8x12? For us, slowly peon, peons. Yes, exactly. You may but have a t- closet, my friend. Yes, that you can exactly. that you can drink your booze and eat your pills in and die. Right.
2: But their top of the line bunker, which is unironically called the Aristocrat, is um, they have a luxury series, and this is their 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 top of the line one costs nine point six million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it, it is it has game room, sauna gym media room, bowling alley, gun range pool um custom flooring and carpet, custom kitchen multi vehicle garage where are you driving? I don't know A where are you going you oh, need going? more than one car you
1: need more than one car in the apocalypse
2: yeah. um with, there's get, with what plumbing? gas. Right. Like what? And septic systems. Um, it can run on or off the grid. There's also an above ground safe house that looks like they describe it as the structure looks like an ordinary prefab building to the eye, but mm-hmm. behind the standard sheet metal walls are bullet resistant walls made of half inch plate steel. Then there's a heavy blast door. Then you're in the safe house. There's another layer of protection for the bunker entrance. The bunker's hatch lies behind a false wall. Mm-hmm. This false Mm -hmm. wall is made from quarter-inch plate steel, and its dual purpose is undetectable to the naked eye. I mean, I do think that the description of this as, like, a video game is apt. Like, this feels very, like, a lot of it is almost just for the game of it, the show of it. Definitely for the show of it. And also, of course, you want to market it like a video game.
1: Because, as we said before, billionaires have the emotional capacity of 10-year-old boys and the interests of (laughs) 10-year-old boys. So, yeah, they want a bunker with a game room and a sauna and that feels like a first-person shooter game because they're goddamn children inside.
2: Yes, yes. I'm just, well,
1: (sighs) do we know? I know we're nearing the end of this episode. I just... Again, many of these billionaires are men. And I feel like women will prep for end times in different ways.
2: Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because in this article that Evan Osnos wrote, he talked to a woman who is the CEO of um, a digital health startup. And she Mm -hmm. says, if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't buy a bunker. I would reinvest in civil society and civil innovation. My view is you figure out even smarter ways to make sure that something terrible doesn't happen. Which yep, I feel yep, like is a yep, good note yep. to end on because it does seem yep, like all yeah. of this energy could be devoted to making sure that the apocalypse doesn't happen in the first place.
1: Yeah, Yep. education. Let's just educate everyone, bring most people out of poverty, stop letting these tech CEOs get so fucking rich, yeah. and then maybe the apocalypse won't happen.
2: Right. But I think for some of these people, it's almost like a fantasy that it does happen.
1: I think they kind of want it to happen. Yes, They're like, you know I what? People don't agree. like me in this world. People don't like me okay. in this world, but maybe in the next one they will. No.
2: A thousand percent. Um, so, you know, you c- please email us at too much money podcast at gmail.com. I forgot to say it at the top of the show, but we take feedback. We take comments. We take questions. We also take suggestions of future episodes, and we would love to hear those. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure as always. Always a pleasure. Too Much Money is hosted and produced by me, Dorisha Freer, and Joe Piazza. Music is by Lisa Brenner, and our network partner is ACAST. Thanks for listening.